You're listening to Books That Have Changed My Life with Star 99.1's business growth and marketing specialist, Sean Isaacs. This is episode seven of Books That Have Changed My Life. Hi, this is Sean Isaacs. Excited about another month, another week. I just finished the 4th of July holiday, and I hope you had a good time with your family. As usual, uh, I'm going to be choosing, usually I choose two books per month, but if you were with us last month, uh, you realize that there was a plan to go through two books or booklets, and I was only able to get through one. And so today I'm going to do the other book today. I think the content is so critical and important to every listener of this podcast that I will take our complete time to go through this information. now. Again, my name is Sean Isaacs, and this is Books That Have Changed My Life. And over the years, I have read hundreds or thousands of books, and uh, many of these books have had a huge impact upon my life, the most important book being the 66 books of the Bible, the canon of Scripture. I believe if you can't do any reading at all, uh, or you can only do uh, a little bit of reading, you should be reading your Bible. I think that's the most important book of all the books ever written, ever created, ever developed, uh, the content that's in the book, the Bible, transforms or impacts every area of life. Once you learn how to interpret the Scripture and then how to apply the content from the Scriptures to your daily life, sadly and unfortunately, many people attend churches where they may hear good teaching and preaching, but there's not a lot of good application. Okay, now that I understand what that means, how does that affect me? What do I do with that information? How does that affect my relationship with God, my parenting, my health, my marriage, my, the running of my business, my sales career? See, the Bible impacts every area of life. Second Peter 1 I believe around verse 3 says that in the scriptures that you and I, if we are children of God, have a chance to be partakers of God's divine nature. Just imagine that, that you can be a beneficiary, and you are one, if you are a child of God, of the nature of God. That you can actually grow in the character of God. And it says that we become partakers of God's divine nature through his precious promises. But before it gets into what those character traits are, it says to you and I that everything that pertains to life and godliness can be found in God's precious promises. And there are more than 5,000 promises in the Word of God. And every promise is something you should learn, and you should access, you should believe, and you should seek to live out. And so, what we're going to do this month is we're going to look at a little booklet called How to Conquer, not How to Conquer Slotfulness, I'm sorry, that was last month, How to Develop Diligence. If you were with us last month, we dealt with a 17-page booklet called How to Conquer Slotfulness, Slotfulness would be laziness, how to conquer slothfulness. Uh, This month, we're going to look at a little booklet called How to Develop Diligence. Diligence would be the opposite of being lazy, and diligence is one of those important words that is not understood enough, I believe, among God's people. What is diligence? I'm asking you, what is diligence? I'll give you a moment to think about it. 
Diligence is such a critical word that it affects every area of your life, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, relationally. There's not an area of your life that is not or cannot be directed, uh, affected, sorry, or impacted by and directed, ironically enough, by this word diligence. So the, the booklet is how to develop diligence, and you can get this booklet at, uh, from Institute in Basic Life Principles. You'll have to Google the name, look up their website, go to the shopping uh, area, and uh, pick up this little booklet. I believe it may be $2 or $3. Um, Again, as I said in our last month's podcast, I believe these two little booklets are far more valuable, in my opinion. I didn't use these words, but more valuable than just about any books right now, Christian or non-Christian, that are being produced. Because you see, once you learn how to conquer laziness in your own life, and you learn how to become a diligent person, and when you understand what diligence means, shortly you'll understand why this is so important. Once you learn how to develop this area in your life, nothing would be impossible for you, unless it's something that's contrary to God's will for you. So what is diligence? Diligence, the book defines diligence as welcoming each task as a special assignment from the Lord, and using all my energies to accomplish it. That's pretty succinct, pretty powerful, and you should memorize it. What is diligence? Welcoming each task as a special assignment from the Lord, and using all my energies to accomplish it. Now, what would happen in your life? What would happen in the life of your children? What would happen in the life of your family members and friends? your employees, your co-workers, those who profess to be Christians and children of God, what would happen in all of our lives if we welcomed each task as a special assignment, not from our boss, not from our parents, not from our teachers, not from our friends, not from the government, but from God himself? What if you welcomed every task, whether it's making the bed, cleaning your car, cleaning your house, Cutting the grass, picking up the call to make that call to set an appointment, going into the work or into your office. What if you welcomed every task that you had to accomplish from the mundane as washing dishes to something big and what you may describe as extravagant? What if you welcome every task as a special assignment from the Lord and then you used all your energies to accomplish it? Can you imagine what your life would look like? I can't even imagine what my life would look like. Just meditate on that for a moment. Diligence is the steady application of effort to accomplish a task. It is exerting oneself to fulfill what is undertaken without any unnecessary delay. All right, you're exerting yourself to undertake the task without any unnecessary delay. You know, right now, my wife and I are raising two young daughters, uh, nine and a five-year-old adopted, and uh, they're very special to us. Our biological children are grown. When I say grown, the youngest is 19. And when they were four and five and three and seven, I would always say to them that delayed obedience is sin. Delayed obedience is sin. Parents, I think one of the most important jobs you have as a parent is to teach your children to respond to your voice immediately, right away, and on one command, or one directive, or one exhortation, or one bit of instruction. Every time you have to say, if I tell you to do that again, you are weakening 
your authority. You are weakening their ability to respond right away. They are developing rebellion at the heart. They're developing disobedience. Self-will is becoming stronger. They are not learning how to say, let thy will be done, mommy or daddy. They're learning how to say, let my will be done. This is a very important thing to get. And this is why so many of our people are lacking in diligence. Because again, diligence is exerting oneself to fulfill what is undertaken without any unnecessary delay. Is it possible that you delay obeying God because your parents never taught you how to obey them immediately. One of the things I often say to parents is that children, there's nowhere in Scripture that God says children obey God. But the Bible does say children obey your parents. See, when you're a child, learn how to submit and obey your will. It'll be easier to submit to and to obey God's will. All right? The, more, the reverse of that is true. The more they don't submit to your will, the harder it is to obey the will of God. So the word diligence comes from a Latin word, which is diligo, which means to love earnestly, to love earnestly. And when you think of our initial definition, to welcome each task as a special assignment, it's hard to welcome a task if you don't love what you're about to do. And so the way to get, to get over the thing you don't like to do is to love the person who gives you the assignment. I illustrated this way. Imagine two angels, Gabriel, Gabriel and Michael. And God gives Michael the assignment. Michael has to go to the bottom of the ocean, of the Atlantic Ocean, and his job every day for 365 days, for one year. Oh, let's just say for a thousand years. That Michael's job for a thousand years is that every day he has to check out the bottom of all the oceans and he has to clean the ocean. Ah, it doesn't sound like a pretty exciting job, I don't think. And then imagine Gabriel. Gabriel's job and assignment is he's a messenger of God and his job is to travel throughout the earth and give messages to God's people. He has to go to Mary and let Mary know she's going to be give birth to the Son of God. And he has to travel throughout history and give messages to all the prophets and others. Here's my question for you. Which one of those angels, in this case archangels, do you think would be more excited about their task? Which one do you think will complete their task the quickest? Which one do you think will be more joyful about the task? Now if you answer Gabriel because he is the messenger, and not Michael, because Michael has to clean the ocean, then you don't understand what diligence is. See, I would make the case that both of them will be equally joyful, equally excited. Doesn't matter what the task is. What matters is who they are doing the task for. To, 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 to appreciate this, imagine the President of the United States asked you to do something you don't really like or want to do. I suspect that it would be a lot easier to do that than if you were asked that same task by a friend, or worse, an enemy, right? What you get from this is typically the higher the authority is in your life that you love and respect, the more it's easier to welcome the task, all right? So there's much I can say here, and uh, I'm going to just tell you to get the book, but uh, diligence comes from the Latin word, right, which means to love earnestly. The Greek word for diligence is spude, spude. 
and that emphasizes speed. It's where we get the word speed uh, or haste to urge oneself. So take those two words and those two root words. The Latin idea is to love earnestly. The, the Greek idea is to do something with haste and with speed. And if you welcome a task and you love the task giver, or in this case what the task is, typically it's going to be easier to pursue it and to get it done. And then you have the Hebrew idea. The Hebrew idea uh, for diligence, the Hebrew word for diligence is kor, which comes from a root word meaning to decide, to decree, to disper once to 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 bestir oneself to bestir oneself or to stir yourself up. And so when you get the idea of diligence, when you take all those three ideas together, the idea is to do to love earnestly, to do things with haste and with speed and to stir yourself on. And that's what it takes to complete what you begin. A good text for this, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs 22:29, if you see a man, see thou a man diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings, he shall not stand before insignificant, or the old English says, mean men. Mean as in insignificant. That shows some of the rewards or benefit, benefits of diligence. Uh, one of the best verses in the Bible on diligence, and um, that summarizes this meaning, is Colossians 3.23. It says, Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily. Heartily. I love the old English language. I think it's superior to all of your modern day translations. And don't believe the lie that people tell you that the old English is hard to understand because it uses old English words. Because it has modern English words and it has old English words. There's a reason, for example, 1 Corinthians 13 does not say love suffers long or love is kind or love is patient. It says charity suffers long. There's a reason it says in Text like in uh, Matthew, it says to love your enemies, not charity your enemies. All right, so it uses modern words and old words, and I don't have the time to convince you of that. Just trust me on this. I've done extensive study on it, and there's a reason the word heartily is used here. So it says in Colossians 3 23, whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, do it with all of your heart involved. Love what you do, do it earnestly. Well, how can you love something that you hate to do? Love the one that gives you the task to do it. All right. Do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. So I got to watch my time here. I'm already over the time I wanted to dedicate to this. So let me just briefly run through some of the other content of the book. To whom does God command us to show diligence? The book gives six areas where we are commanded to show diligence. Number one, we're to show diligence to God. Deuteronomy 6.17, you shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he hath commanded thee. We are to diligently, we're to show diligence to God. We're to be at, show speed in obeying what God says. With haste, we're to welcome it as a beautiful task, not a burden. Secondly, we're to show diligence to parents. Thirdly, we're to show diligence in obeying our conscience. Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You're to guard your heart. You are to protect yourself from rated R movies, things you watch, hear, see, uh, negative people, negative uh, materials, books, and so on. Uh, you need to be careful what you allow into your heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth's going to speak. The things you fill your heart with, 
which comes through your ear gate and eye gate, will affect your living. So we're to show diligence in obeying our conscience. Four, we're to show diligence to our teachers and elders. Number five, that's Second Peter 1, five. giving all diligence, we're to add, to add to your faith virtue. This is Peter speaking. And to virtue, we're to add knowledge, and he gives these attributes or character traits that we're to add to our faith. Five, we're to show diligence to civil authorities. Uh, Deuteronomy 24.8 says, We're to observe diligently and do according to all that the priests, the Levites, the Levites and the priests were civil authorities. All that they shall teach you as I commanded them, so you shall observe to do. Romans 13 says we're to obey those that are in authority. doesn't matter what your political conviction is, whether you're a Democrat, Independent, Republican. doesn't matter who's in office. What matters is you are obeying God and you are to show diligence and submission to those that are in authority. And lastly, we're to show diligence to employers. Proverbs 22:29. I quoted that already. You can look it up uh, on your own time. The book goes on to show how Jesus demonstrated diligence. It gives six ways in which Jesus showed diligence toward his parents, toward the father, uh, toward his conscience, toward those who were the authorities in his life or the elders. That, that would be Matthew 5 to 7. Jesus' diligence in studying the scriptures was made evident by his teaching the, the, the truths of the law. So he showed diligence toward his teachers. They didn't have to be physically present. Your teachers can be found in a book. Maybe they're dead and gone, but they're still teachers. And uh, are you diligent in learning what they teach you and then obeying or doing? And so it goes through those six things. And then it gives some practical stuff from history. The last book dealt with the sloth, which is why we use the word slothful in the scriptures. Uh, There's an animal called the sloth. Well, to demonstrate diligence, the book then shows the character of the beaver. A beaver is always busy. A beaver prepares for future generations. A beaver maintains good grooming. A beaver prepares for times of scarcity. A beaver keeps a functional home. A beaver does its work with precision. A beaver warns its family of danger. And all those are character traits of diligence. And um, just a side note for you, uh, you can learn a lot, you and I can learn a lot from, from God watching animals. Every animal uh, that God has created has been wired to teach you and I something. Like the ant, the Bible says, look at the ant and gain wisdom. The ant is an example of diligence. The ant is an example of initiative. The ant is an example of, of a creature that does not need anyone over, an authority over it to tell it what to do. It's self-motivated, right? It says, look at the ant, thou sluggard, that has no overseer, guide, or ruler, right? Yet the ant knows how to prepare for the future and so on. Well, the beaver is another good example of that. Then the book goes on to show how does the sloth illustrate slothfulness. And I wouldn't get into that. It gets into the seven symptoms of slothfulness and what are the steps to conquer slothfulness. And then uh, I'll just spend a few minutes here how to, how to be diligent. One, it deals with how to show diligence to God. One, diligently listen to his voice. Two, diligently keep his commandments. Three, diligently love the Lord your God. Four, Diligently study the Bible, and there's scriptures for all of these. I don't have time, sorry, to give them to you. Six, diligently, five, diligently carry out good works. Seven, diligently seek the Lord. The Bible says in um, 
Hebrews 11:6 But with all faith without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that God is a rewarder of them that let listen them that do what them that diligently seek him see that word has a lot more meaning now that you've spent a little time considering what diligence is and so you cannot please God without diligence and we are to do everything we do by faith. And then we're to diligently grow in faith. Diligently grow in faith. All right, so number one, how to be diligent. We're to show diligence to God. Secondly, how do you show diligence to your parents? Believe it or not, get up early in the morning. Make your bed as soon as you get up. Adopt unpopular chores. One of the things that we taught our kids, and we still do, is doing things you don't like to do builds character. And so whenever your child complains about not wanting to do something, not wanting to eat certain vegetables. And in my house, when you say you don't want to do something, then you have to do it. So my kids learn very early. Don't say what you don't want to do, what you don't want to eat, because doing things you don't like to do builds character. Simple little point there can be life-changing to your home if you implement it. Uh, adopt unpopular chores. Fourthly, complete your studies with enthusiasm. This is ways that kids show diligence to their parents. Finish every job you begin. Do projects with brothers and sisters. There's so much here. I would love to spend hours unpacking these because there's so much practical information here that can be helpful to homes and uh, workplaces and so on. Start your home industry. You know, like your own, uh, your, your kids should learn how to start to develop income. Let your neighbors observe your diligence. Look for people who need your help. Those, that's the second way to, do, to grow in diligence. Thirdly, how to show diligence to your conscience. Uh, there's steps on how to do that. How to show diligence to teachers. How to show diligence to the government. And then lastly, how to show diligence to employers. So again, it's a great book. Lastly, the book ends with what qualities must balanced diligence. This little book is 23 pages. The previous one was 17. So that's 40 pages, these two little booklets that can transform the heart and life of uh, God's people. What qualities, as we end here, must balance diligence? Number one, patience. Patience. The person who is diligent will want to get things done as quickly as possible. He will strive for the wisest use of resources and the least amount of time. In many situations, however, he will need to depend upon other people who, who may not be as diligent and who will create delays. He must accept these difficult situations as opportunities from God to learn the quality of patience. Don't you love that? So you can be, you could spend all your, you know, the next year focusing on how do I become more diligent, more diligent, and you'll develop more diligence. But unfortunately, when you focus on that one area, You'll become impatient with others. And now you're dishonoring and displeasing God because you're lacking fruit in another area. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits, plural. Because we're to develop all of these things together. So it's important as you focus on any area of development in your life that you do that development in in a whole way, not in parts. Now, if you're a lazy person right now, you do need to focus on becoming more diligent. But remember that people were patient with you while you were lazy. Uh, God was patient with you, and so you're going to have to learn how to be that way with others. You're going to have to develop the character trait of gentleness. A, a diligent person is hard on himself or herself, but he or she must be gentle with others. Otherwise, both he and the work that he or she is trying to accomplish will be re reacted to by associates who will accuse him or her of being harsh and insensitive. 
There's no one more diligent than Jesus Christ that walked the earth, and yet he was very patient and long-suffering with others. He would say things often to his disciples, how long will I, uh, will I put up with you? How long do I have to do this or expect this or say this? I'm paraphrasing. He was very, very patient with them. You're going to have to develop the quality of humility. Humility is recognizing that everything I have and do is a result of investments God and others have made in my life. It is important for a diligent man or woman to remember this, so that when he or she is praised for achievements, he or she can quickly deflect that praise to God and others for the part they have had in his or their achievements. Let me say that again. This is a good definition of humility. Humility is recognizing that everything I have and do is a result of investments God and others have made in my life. A good text for this, one of my favorites, is 1 Corinthians 4, 7. It says, who has made you to differ? In other words, who has made you different to think differently, act differently than others? Who has made you to differ? What, did, what do you have that you've not received? There's nothing you and I have that we've not received. So freely you receive, you should freely give. That's why I do this podcast. All right, lastly, what qualities must I ba- must balance diligence? One, patience. Two, gentleness. Third, humility. And lastly, love. Since the Latin definition of diligence is to love earnestly, it is very important for a diligent person to be motivated by love, to express love to all those around them. Love involves giving to others' needs and uh, needs as an expression of my devotion to the Lord and realizing that I have already been repaid by the gift of eternal life. All right, so again, there's much more there that I can read, but we are way over the time that I like to spend on these podcasts. But, you know, what's the use of give? People always ask, how long should my video be? How long should my podcast be? How long should my article or blog post be? And my views are totally different from the rest of the conventional wisdom out there. I think it should be as long as it takes to get the point across. I will end on this by saying this to you. If your mindset is that, that when I go to church, my sermon needs to be 30 minutes or my whatever needs to be this length because people are too busy and they don't have time and there's so much clutter, you will miss much of what God is seeking to do either in you or through you. Do not follow the concepts and the mindsets that have been set up in the hearts of people by this world and its system. Some things you can't get in five minutes. Some things you can't get in 30 minutes because it takes time to demonstrate and teach the same point from different angles so that the light turns on. Proverbs 4, 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all of your getting, get understanding. Understanding is a process. Understanding takes time. And I think, though it took a little longer, to give you the example of Michael and Gabriel, I believe that, for many, hopefully, turn the lights on, and you have a better understanding of what it means to be diligent. To be diligent is to welcome each task as a special, special, that's the key, not just an assignment, but as a special assignment from the Lord, and then using all my energies to accomplish it. Lord, I just pray for me and others that will hear this podcast, that you would develop in each of our hearts the spirit of diligence. Lord, you said that we, with all diligence, should make our calling and election sure. I pray, Lord, that you will conquer in each one of our lives, 
the vice of slothfulness and laziness and excuse making and that you would give us the power and the grace to give ourselves wholeheartedly to you and to devote all of our energies to accomplish everything that you've laid before us so that your name could be exalted and glorified in our lives and it would be for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in to Books That Have Changed My Life and uh, I look forward to joining you again next month. As we end, I just want to say, if something that I shared touched or impacted your life, I'd love to hear about it. All right? And you can email me at sisaacs, that's S-I-S-A-A-C-S, at star991.com.